Welcome back. We have a recent report from the Wall Street Journal that older Americans have stockpiled a record $35 trillion. Older Americans have $35 trillion. Older Americans are baby boomers. And I was wondering when I read this article, when I went through this headline, what does that mean? Older Americans have a lot of money and they're getting older. They don't have a lot of time to spend this money, which in some cases means that they can give it away. They can give it to their heirs. But some of them are going to use the money that they have and they'll try to use a lot of it before they end up dying. I thought of ways that they could use this money. Maybe Costco as an example of a way they can use money. Maybe Texas Roadhouse. There's lots of different ways that older people use their money. But one of them that I thought was interesting is cruise lines. Older people like to go on cruises. And we have evidence here that that's precisely what they're starting to do. We have reports like this, that half empty a year ago, cruises are now packed like sardines. Crowds have returned to cruise ships to the point that some are oversold or even bumping passengers. That's how packed cruise lines are. These ships literally hold thousands of customers and they still don't have enough room for them all. So this seems like an alignment of the perfect storm. We have a large group of older people that have a ton of money they've stockpiled their entire life, more than they're going to be able to spend for themselves. And then we have an industry that specializes in offering vacations and travel, leisure, and this has created a little bit of the perfect storm. We can take the example of Carnival Cruise Line as just a for instance here. Carnival Cruise Line, a cruise ship company is up 78% this year, beating out all the major indices, beating out the QQQ, the S&P 500, most of big tech, most of the flashy tech companies that you've heard about, this company's beat them. We have another example here. Royal Caribbean Cruises is up 97% year to date, a double this year so far. Then we have Norwegian Cruise Lines. This one is up currently 55% year to date so far. It's doing great. But all of them, you may have noticed, are down today. One is down 5%. We have RCL. This one's down 2.5%. And then we have the big one, Carnival Cruise Line, down 11% today. The reason it's down, as it says here, is it just released its Q2 financial results and issued guidance. It's down on earnings. Now, a company that's up nearly double, 70, 80, 90%, but it's down 11% on earnings. Investors are a little bit skittish right now. It makes me interested in looking at their earnings, and that's what we have pulled up here. So we're going to be looking at this as a potential opportunity. We have what I think is almost like a, a perfect storm, an alignment of different factors that could make cruise ships uniquely attractive as investments right now. Their stock price has been crushed over the past five years, specifically because of COVID. COVID did a number on these companies. When we look at them over the past five years, they're still down a ton. In fact, right now with the stock price at $14 per share, just for Carnival Cruise Line to get back to where it was during its peak before COVID with business as usual, that would be around a 5x from here, from this sell-off today, a 500% return just to get back to where it was. Can this stock get back to where it was? And if not, what factors preventing it from going back up to $70 per share? We're gonna be looking at that. We're gonna be diving into the numbers. We're gonna be doing analysis on it, as well as we're gonna be looking at an interview with the CEO of the companies. So I have a full length interview here with the CEO of the company. He spoke his mind on what he thinks is happening. We're gonna be looking at that as well. So we have a lot to look at here. Let's go ahead and jump right in and we'll start off with a quick portfolio update like we always do. 
We'll start off with an update on the story fund. This is my tech portfolio, the smaller of two portfolios. And this one's a little bit more volatile. It's a little bit more aggressive of investments. I invest in a lot of companies that I consider to be very high quality, scalable tech companies. But I'm also a little bit open with this portfolio. I have invested in companies that are lower quality, ones that I don't consider to be super high quality compounders. Companies like Crocs. This one's not a super high quality company, but it was cheap. It was very cheap and I bought the company cheap and it instantly went up over 100%. So I've reduced my position in it. I made around $800 because I bought a, a decent company at the right time uh, that was selling for, I think, dirt cheap prices. So there's opportunities to invest in very high quality compounders, companies like Google and Microsoft, but there's also opportunities to make money occasionally in lower quality companies like Crocs. So with this portfolio, I'm always scanning and looking at a lot of different investment ideas. Now let's go ahead and take a look at the overall returns of the portfolio. Right now we're down 1.6%. Just this morning we were in the green. So it went from the green back down to in the red. It's bouncing around between plus 2% and minus 2%. If we look at the overall performance since the beginning, inception of this portfolio, this is what it looks like. Mine is in the blue and we have the S&P 500 as a red line here. And you can see that we've kept up with it and then we we, we went underneath SPY for a long time, about two years, and now we've largely closed that gap. So the gap right now is mostly closed. We're, in, uh, we're within about 5 to 10%. That can change within a day or two. So it's been exciting to see a comeback here, but we still have a lot of, a lot of work to do. I want to get to the point where this portfolio is far above the S&P 500. To do that, I need to make some intelligent investments. So that's an update on the portfolio for now. Let's go ahead and jump in to this analysis. Now, the first thing that drew my attention was over the past couple of months, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed this a lot. There's a lot of articles about how much money boomers have. Boomers apparently have just accumulated money and wealth their entire life. Some of it is just by hard work over a long period of time. That naturally happens when you have a job for a long period of time. But other parts of it are a little bit of luck. They bought into real estate and homes before home prices went up like crazy. So they own a lot of net worth and assets. The combination of having a job for a long period of time and then buying assets like homes at very cheap prices makes it so that when you're at retirement age, you have a lot of net worth. On top of that, during baby boomers' lives, the market did incredibly well. We have 30 years of the market going up like crazy. Massive bull runs from periods like 2009 to 2019. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mm huge bull runs that have, have generated a ton of wealth. So if you already had an established 401k, 
you're doing really well. That's the category that baby boomers are generally speaking in right now. Older Americans stockpiled a record $35 trillion. It's so much money. And there's other articles that show that they're also addicted to stocks. They're not giving it up. They still own a majority of the stock market. So this category of of people, this age demographic has a huge amount of surplus cash, more than they're going to be able to spend before they die. They may give it away to their heirs. So there's going to be a huge wealth transfer that happens over the next 20 years. But there's also going to be a lot of them that look to spend some of their money over the next 20 years. When I was thinking about ways they spend money, I just look at demographics of different companies. For example, Costco has a little bit older of a demographic, and that's fine with me. The company does really well. The people that their demographic uh, mostly consists of is, again, a, a group that has a lot of money, which is a great thing. Same thing with Texas Roadhouse. The demographic's slightly older than other companies like Chipotle. Texas Roadhouse is doing really well as a result. So I look at these companies that have demographics of customers that also are very, very wealthy. And this is the demographic you want your customer to be. Now, another demographic that I believe sways heavily to the older group is cruise lines. For example, the average cruise line customer age is 47 years old. At a point in life where you've been working for a while, you want to go on relaxing vacations, and typically you have more money at that point. So we have a perfect storm here of a lot of people that have a lot of money. We have people that want to go on cruises. And then we had the impact of COVID, which I also believe made people look to go on vacation more. They realize that life is short, anything can happen, so it's time to go on vacations. So we're seeing a huge resurgence of cruise lines over the past couple of years, and it's really remarkable. Cruise lines are seeing occupancy levels above 100% on many ships. Now, I don't know how that's possible. Occupancy levels above 100% sounds a little concerning, but they say largely due to the discounts and promotions many cruise lines offered in late fall and winter. Passengers are encountering long lines for activities on board, sold out excursions, and stressed out crew members a year after all but having ships to themselves. In extreme cases, cruise lines are canceling some people's trips after overselling. This is the dynamic shift. This is very similar to what happened in Vegas. During COVID, Vegas was basically shut down. It was like a ghost town. You could go there and the streets would be mostly empty. You'd have restaurants to yourself. It wasn't the full Vegas experience. But only a year later, when the restrictions were loosened, when people were already a little bit over the whole COVID issue, when they had COVID fatigue, Vegas travel sped up like crazy. It hit record highs. The city was bustling. So many people that you literally couldn't walk around in some areas. And in certain ways, Cruise lines are are a little bit like a floating Vegas. They have casinos and entertainment. They have everything that you want to do all in one concentrated place. Now, this is the same thing that we're seeing here. Cruise lines were shut down for a time period. And then all of a sudden, demand has resurged way over historical highs now to new record highs. Royal Caribbean Group reported that the occupancy rate in its cruise lines averaged 102.1% during the first quarter of 2023, up from 57% in 2022. So the percentage is nearly doubled there, 57% to 102%. Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings say that the occupancy rate averaged 101.5% during the first quarter and projects the average of 103.5% 
for the full year. They say that cruise occupancy rates can rise above 100% because they are based on the expectation that two people will stay in each cabin, and this was common occurrence before the pandemic. When three or four passengers stay in one cabin, occupancy rates can exceed 100%. So that's what it is. If a couple people stay in the same cabin, which I'm sure happens all the time, the rates can go above 100%. That makes sense there. The average starting cost of a five-night cruise on a major cruise line for an inside cabin is $743 in June, according to data from the cruise website Cruise Critic. That's up from $551 during the same month last year. Price increases. Not only do they have above 100% occupancy now and occupancy rates jumping, but the average price for a cabin has gone up what is that, 30, uh, 50%? That's a huge increase in price. And in terms of where people are going, they're headed towards these sun and fun destinations like the Caribbean. So they want some sun. They want to get outside and have a good time. They even mention in this report that staterooms are in a shortage. Some cruise lines have encountered a large number of oversold ships in recent months. Company spokesperson said that its cruise line revenues teams proactively contact select guests to avoid overselling cruises. He notes that these customers are offered the ability to choose a different sailing with several dates to choose from. So if you want to cancel your cruise trip, the first thing they'll try to do is to get you to just book for a different time. Then you save on deposits or fees when you do that. They want to keep you on a cruise eventually, even if they oversold you. Now that sounds very convincing, very encouraging for cruise lines. They have more demand than they can meet. They have increased prices like crazy. They're overselling rooms and they have a customer base that has a ton of capital. So what's going on with these companies? Why has Carnival Cruise Corporation, for example, today gone down 11%? And is this an opportunity to buy this dip? Well, the first thing I want to say is after a company reports earnings, which this company just recently did, and that's the reason the stock is down 11%, when that happens, I say over and over again, don't let this dictate your sentiment on the stock. People sell out of stocks for all different reasons. In many cases, it has nothing to do with the fundamentals or the valuation. It can be for entirely different reasons. Some scary headlines, something that was said the wrong way from the CEO. It's stuff that's immaterial to the overall company. It can reflect things that are really wrong, but in many cases it doesn't. And one thing I'd point out is even though this company is down 11% today, it's up 78% year to date. When a company goes on this type of run, up 80% in just six months, seven months, it's up 80%, a lot of times investors are a little bit in the gain-taking mode. They just want to be very careful about their gains. They don't want to have a reversal. They don't want to lose out. So I think that there may be some of that. That's my guess. But let's go ahead and take a look at the actual earnings release, and we can see What's going on with this company? First things first, Carnival Cruise Line beat their earnings per share estimate by two pennies. They also beat their revenue estimate by 130 million. So they beat on earnings, they beat on revenue. Now let's go ahead and take a look at the actual earnings report. This is fresh just from today. I just wanna look at some of the highlights here and see what the company is pointing out. The US gap net loss of 407 million or 32 cents diluted EPS. So that's the earnings per share that they beat. I'll point out that even though this was a beat, they still lost money. Gap loss in millions and earnings per share and an adjusted net loss of 395 million. It's not great when you have companies that have this much demand that are still losing money. So why is this company running at a loss? We'd have to look at that. Adjusted EBITDA for second quarter of 2023 was 681 million. We'd have to see how that number is adjusted, but that looks positive. 
and it was at the high end of their guidance, we see a record second quarter revenue of $4.9 billion. Record second quarter revenue. Now, this is interesting because if we look at Carnival Cruise Line's revenue, $4.9 billion is what they say. Uh, we look right here, and these are 4.7, 4.8. So Carnival Cruise Line has already gone up to prior, prior revenues of before 2020. Their revenues are back to where they were in 2020 and prior. But the stock price is one-fifth of where it was back in 2020 and prior. So stock price one-fifth, revenue already above there. It's one of these situations where a company's revenue has recovered, but the stock price is still lagging. Uh, an interesting situation. We have the company continuing to accelerate demand with total bookings made during the quarter reaching a new all-time high for all future sailings. So record bookings, stock price still down one-fifth of where it used to be. Total customer deposits reached an all-time high of $7.2 billion, surpassing the previous record of $6 billion another record broken. It's over 1 billion over the previous record, a 26% increase compared to the prior quarter. The second quarter 2023 ended with 7.2 billion of liquidity following the prepayment of over $1 billion of term variable rate debt. So they're paying back term variable rate debt, which I believe is bad debt. It's going up with the, the interest rates. It's probably debt they want to pay off quickly. So they're paying that back, over $1 billion of it. The company is introducing a sea change program, a set of key performance targets designed to achieve important strategic goals over a three-year period ending in 2026. I like the earnings report. For a company that's had this much trouble, it seems like the biggest problem, the biggest question is being solved. Does the company have excess demand going into the future. If they're able to, to continue to have this level of demand, continue to raise prices, they can move towards gap profitability. So now that we've seen some of the highlights of the company, I think it's moving in a very positive direction. I want to hear from the CEO of the company. He recently went on an interview on CNBC. I think it'd be worth taking a look at before we jump into the financials. Now, the first thing the Carnival Cruise Line CEO has asked is, why is the stock dropping 10 or 11% when it seemed like the earnings report was decent, you beat your earnings, you beat your expectations, you gave pretty good outlook. So what's going on here? Yeah, no, I agree. It's all good news. You know, we uh, we smashed the results in the second quarter. We just got through our second quarter booking period, which was an all-time record. And the, the interesting thing about that is normally our all-time records and bookings happen in the first quarter. That's a traditional strong point. And the fact is, you know, we started our wave period, our booking, peak booking period in the fourth quarter with a with a knockout uh, Black Friday, and it just has not stopped. And it accelerated over the second quarter. And I'm really pleased to say over the last three weeks, it still hasn't stopped. So I think it's all good news. From the CEO's perspective, everything is going well. Bookings are doing really well. Now, he's also asked about a pull forward in demand. Are people just going on cruises right now to make up for lost time? Is this demand going to continue or is this the best that it gets? Yeah, no, I don't think this is it. I think the sky is the limit for this corporation and our portfolio of, of world-class brands, actually. And all we see is acceleration. And that goes not just in North America, but our European brands, which are really starting to, to, uh, to take strength. And as a matter of fact, you know, in the second quarter, the bookings that were taken by our European brands were up double digits in both price and volume versus 2019 for the rest of this year. So, so the trajectory is really going one way. 
Now, obviously, when a company's doing better than expected, they have the guidance. In this case, Carnival Cruise Line actually moved the guidance further up. So they didn't guide down this quarter. They actually guided further up, which makes this sell-off even more perplexing. Well, it does start in the third quarter, and we will be profitable, nicely profitable, with, with a long way to go. But I'll give you a good, good trajectory story about that profitability. So in the, uh, in the first quarter of this year, when you think about our EBITDA on a unit basis, we were 59% um, of the way back versus 2019 when you hold fuel and currency constant, just to give you a sense of operational performance. That went to 73% in the second quarter. It's going to be about 85% in the third quarter, back to 100% in the fourth quarter. So we're, we're making the right moves and it's starting to show up in the results. And we were able to take $275 million to the bottom line in our forecast between March guidance and June guidance. So he believes the company will become profitable by the end of this year. That's the guideline that he's roughly giving here. So the CEO of the company seems extremely bullish on it. The quarter was great. They beat their expectations and they raised guidance and they're having record-breaking demand and they have a customer base that has $35 trillion of money to spend on discretionary stuff like travel and entertainment. So what is the problem with this story? Why is Carnival Cruise Line still one-fifth of the price it was prior to COVID? We're going to answer that question by looking at the financials. The financials tells the full story of what really happened with this company and why it's been prohibited from having the same type of recovery that you would expect. So let's go ahead and type in CCL, Carnival Corporation, into Qualtrum. You can follow along with this. And we'll just briefly look at some of the financials here. We have a company with a $20 billion market cap, price to sales of 1.1, free cash flow yield of minus 20%. Uh, so their free cash flow is negative over the past year. We know that right away. And their earnings per share is 11, 11 PE ratio. So investors don't have very high expectations baked into this company currently. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at some of the charts here. First of all, we'll look at the revenue. Right there, we noticed the glaring problem of right when COVID started, the revenue went to zero. And it went to zero for a long time, a number of quarters, or it was very low. Now, an issue with a company like this is it's not like you just lose customers and then your your company doesn't make money. When you lose customers, you still have a lot of expenses. And I think that might be key to the issue here. Just like we saw the revenue go down to zero for a number of quarters, we also see this hit the EBITDA. The EBITDA went down like crazy to minus $2 billion. It went up in recent quarters. In fact, the quarter prior to this most recent one was positive $435 million. Their most recent one was $600 million. So this is trending in the right direction. They're making good progress. It seems, like, it seems like the share price should be following the EBITDA trending in the right direction. But let's keep looking at the issues here. The cash flows of the company. Carnival Corporation is a CapEx-heavy industry. They have to pay for these massive cruise ships that get very beat up from day one. If you've been on a cruise ship that's five years old and you compare that to one that's just brand new, They are worlds apart. They are so beat up even just after a few years. So we have the free cash flows of the company. As the revenue went to zero, they still ought to pay for so many expenses and so many things associated with building ships and maintaining them, even at the dock, dealing with all of their employees. All of this costs massive amounts of cash. So their cash flows went negative for a long period of time. But we see the encouraging trend of it going more towards zero getting more to that neutral spot. And the CEO says that they're going to get there soon. Just by the end of this year, they should be making positive cash flows. 
We have the net income. It shows the exact same story here. Uh, a big dip and then a recovery. Then we have the earnings per share. What would you assume? The exact same thing, a big dip and then a recovery. We see things moving in the right direction. All of this looks like a company in recovery. But there's one chart that looks particularly nasty, and that is the cash and debt chart. And this is what's preventing this stock from 5Xing. Let's go ahead and bring this up. On Qualtrim, I made the cash and debt and, and uh, balance sheet of the company very simple. There's only three things, cash, debt, and capital lease. This is the current cash on hand. This is the long-term debt. And the capital lease is like rentals, if you're renting out something. Now, we look at the cash position. They raised cash during 2020 because the future is unknown. They wanted to have a cash balance that's gone down over time. And the amount of cash they have right now is around $5 billion. So let's take a look at the exact number, $5.4 billion in cash. So they do have some cash on hand and some liquidity to deal with near-term expenses. The problem being the amount of debt that they had to raise during COVID is substantial. And keep in mind that this is already a very indebted industry. Cruise lines carry a lot of debt because of the CapEx heaviness of their of their industry. They're very CapEx heavy business. So normally their amount of long-term debt is somewhere between five to 10 billion, around seven or 8 billion. And they like keeping it in that nice range right there. COVID came, operations were shut down, but expenses continued on. Interest rates piled up. They had to issue a lot of new debt. They got attractive rates at the time, but now we have higher interest rates. So we have Debt going up literally 3x. It went from around seven, eight billion dollars to now above 30 billion dollars. Just astronomical amounts of debt. Again, we compare that with the cash. They do have some cash, but that's only four and a half billion or five and a half billion. So five and a half billion dollars of cash, 30 billion dollars of debt. We look at how that nets out. We have the math right here. They have 27 billion dollars in debt in an interest rate environment where interest rates have gone upwards. So as they have to refinance this debt, they have to pay a higher cost of capital for that new money. Taking out debt right now is much more expensive than it used to be. Not only does that cause a problem, but as debt ratios go up this dramatically, this quickly, well, the lenders, they get a little bit uh, concerned. They look at this and they go, are they gonna be able to pay us back? Are we sure about that? We're gonna demand a higher interest rate because you're less credit worthy than if Microsoft came to us and wanted to issue some debt. We'd buy Microsoft's debt at a much lower rate because they have a credit worthiness better than the US government. Carnival Cruise Line does not have great credit worthiness. They're in danger of potential bankruptcy if their business doesn't operate well. So this is at the core of the problem. This is the core issue with this story. Everything else, when I'm looking at it, I'm just thinking it looks fantastic. We have all these, all these stars aligning. Tons of well-financed, well-backed consumers looking to go on excursions and vacations. I think that this is going to be a continued trend for years into the future. We have a company that's strategically placed to absorb that, to have good pricing power, good flexibility, to be able to really take in a lot of that vacation money from travelers. Uh, and then at the same time, we have the downside, the downside of this astronomical debt that makes their credit worthiness a lot less credit worthy makes them in more risk of bankruptcy if things don't work out, makes their cost of capital higher, and this interest payment also eats into their earnings. So even though they're having record-breaking numbers, 
beating out their prior history, they were more profitable right here when they had less debt because they also had less interest payments. So this is the situation that Carnival Corporation and so many other cruise liner companies are in. They have an amazing opportunity right now with excess demand and the future looks extremely bright, but they have this nagging debt that's always following them. What I'd like to see with this company, before I add it to my portfolio or really strongly considering making a position, is continued debt payments downward while growing profitability. If they can do both of those, I think this could be a great story. I think this company really could double or triple in stock price. They're able to start to make several payments down on their debt and grow their earnings at the same time. Right now, we seem to be right at the pivotal point where they want to be doing that but we're not quite there yet. It should be towards the end of this year. So it's an interesting bet. As of now, I have not made an investment in this company. I'm still on the sidelines, but this is one that I'm going to be watching. Carnival Cruise Line, Norwegian Cruise Line. I'm going to be looking at these companies because I think if they get cheap enough, if I get to a point where I believe that they can pay on their debts consistently and with predictability, and if their cash flows start going positive, after they have more revenue and less CapEx expense, we could see a very good story of recovery here. Now, this isn't a high quality company. It'll never be a massive position in my portfolio. I'd never invest in it that way, but this could be a little bit more of one where it's a recovery play. So let me know your thoughts on it. Let me know if you agree or disagree. I find these investments very interesting. If I can get them at the right price, I might make a small investment in it. But either way, let me know what you think. And for the rest of my portfolio, I have another update coming out this week that I think will be an exciting one. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel and I'll see you soon.